When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're back <laughs> in the saddle again. Tom Bernard show with our very special guest. That's nice that you say very special. He's not going to. He, he did this last time. He never says his own name. <laughs> do I need to? Matt Minster. Matt Minster. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> if you're going to make me say it, I'm going to do something like that. It's like, I want my talk show. So I have to You <laughs> have to get a talk show. I know. You're, you're going to have to introduce yourself if you do that. No, you. <laughs> talk shows are. Oh, talk shows don't introduce themselves. That's true. I'll come See? on and be Ed McMahon. Tom, Tom. Yes, Perfect. Matt. Yes, Matt. Will you? Will you introduce? Will you just record it once for me when that I get be, the thing? Yes, absolutely. Uh, just once. All that I want is once. It if it ever happens, fun, I need man. you to say however you want to say it. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be totally worth it. Then I could just do one episode and be done with it. That was fantastic. Do we do a break or not? I forgot. Yes, we do. I just wanted. To, oh, did we? No, we haven't done the top of the hour did. break. Damn it. We got to do it now. I'm schmoozing. All right, we'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. 
It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. My wayward son, there'll be peace when you Matt Minster, the wayward son. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Isn't it? I like it when you say it better than when I say it. That's nice. I am the wayward son. Little guitar work. So good. Is Elena with us? Yes, she is. Elena, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Marvelous, Dr. Elena. Do you pronounce it George or George? How do you pronounce your last name? George, like the man's name. I want to make sure. I want to make sure I was covered. Life, ooh, this is interesting. Life insurance company will add fitness tracking data to all policies next year. So they're going to have, how are they going to make everybody, wait, wait a second. Do you mind if I just call you Dr. Elena? Or do you want to be called Dr. George? Sure, that's fine. Okay, Dr. Elena. Dr. George is fine. Dr. George. Okay, we'll go with Dr. George. Um, how, okay, so where are they going to get the fit? Not everybody wears a Fitbit or whatever. Right? That, that's correct. Um, and it's not all insurance companies yet. It's just that particular insurance company. But I think that they're, uh, the template, if, if they succeed in making people buy a fitness tracker to, to buy their insurance plan, then that's going to be an open season. And I think every other insurance company will follow suit. You, so how are they going to? They're going to make everybody wear. I wear a Fitbit, so I don't mind it and whatever. And if they want to know that my resting heart rate is fifty-seven, good for them. So that it wouldn't bother me, Doctor George. Uh, but it is rather intrusive, I suppose, isn't it? It is. I mean, why do you have to be tracked twenty-four-seven just to buy an insurance policy? Yeah, that's a little bit over over the top, in my opinion. Yeah. And they're not make well first it, they did it I think Progressive started it with the car and tracking your car and how you drive in order to get a discount. So they use the carrot first. Now this is the stick. You can't buy a plan unless you give up your personal data, you know, where you are. And data is one of the most important things that we have at this point. It's it's health data and that is one of the most important markers out there. It doesn't change, right? Your financial situation right. can change right. um, where you live, but not you. And I think that's extremely, it's, it's kind of a chilling effect, frankly. Well, you just scared me by what you just said, to tell you the truth, talking about data being the most important thing in our lives. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. it was just revealed because of their uh, connection with China now that Google is going to control the entire world's data. That is terrifying. Hmm. That's not good I, news, I'm Dr. Confused, actually. You what? No, I agree. The last thing I want is China to know anything about me. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're going to track, right? track you down, <laughs> Dr. George. No, I, I, I just it's terrifying to know that one company will control all of that information, all of that data. It, so I know exactly how you feel about this fitness tracking data to the the life insurance uh, company. Again, for a guy like me, I'd kind of welcome it because I like keeping track of all that stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. But, oh, I'll tell you something, Dr. George, this is not a direct tie-in, but in a way it is. I get a lot of promotional uh, data, uh, a lot of promotional items, excuse me, coming 
because I do a morning show mm-hmm. and then I do an afternoon show and I got a couple other things going. But I opened my mail last night and there was a pen, an ink pen inside the envelope. And they said, mm-hmm. you can have hundreds of these for a nominal price or whatever. And I looked on the pen and written on the pen, it said Tom Bernard Podcast, LLC. And then it gave uh, the address and it gave my home phone number. Mm. That oh, wow. is upsetting. A little chilling. It's really chilling. It's like, where'd you get my yeah. home phone number? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not the business line. It was not any of these lines here. It was my home phone number, Dr. George. So it's going to get worse, isn't it? I mean, it potentially can. Imagine they know what medications you're taking or what your doctor diagnosis was, the last visit. I mean, this is the kind of detail that's out there. The electronic medical record system that we now are all being pushed towards in the in the healthcare field, those are no longer, you know, locked, if you want to put it that way. If you write a chart and you're writing it in, in and you're putting it in your office, nobody has access to it. But when you put it in the cloud, you've seen hacking go on. You've seen yeah. medical information in hospitals be held hostage. They don't even tell patients about it. And they have to pay money in order to get the, the information released. But where does that information go and who has it and how can it be used? I think people need to think long and hard about that, actually. Convenience isn't always what it's cracked up to be. No, you're right, Dr. George. And the big problem with that is there is so much money to be made by this despicable uh, business. People make so mm-hmm. much money off of stealing and selling data. It's just terrible. Agreed. Well, they have 50, 52 I mean, million the best people. Way to... Yeah. Well, and there's, I mean, I know that life insurance is one thing, but when you talk about, like, health insurance, I know that through our plan, if we go to the gym a certain number of times mm-hmm. a month, there's a discount. Right. We know if we complete mm-hmm. some health assessments, there's a discount. So they've, or, you know, biking. If we bike past these point touch points in the city, we know they know we've been biking and they right. can offer right. discounts. So to me, I, that's more an alignment. That's almost like a gamification of your own fitness, which kind of, because yeah. no, you I get understand. a reward. Yeah. Yeah. But you are, I guess, offering up <laughs> this information as well. So It's everywhere. It's no. everywhere. You're volunteering it. You're volunteering it, yes. It, but if this, yeah, you are volunteering it. And, you know, you think it's innocuous, but when you start to connect the dots, mm-hmm. okay, they know where you bike. They know the time that you bike. They know what kind of bike you have. And it's all, you know, how to market to you, how to, you know, like your pen example. Yeah. It just becomes uh, so many data points that you no longer become, you no longer are, are um, anonymous. They know how you act, how you're going to think. And most importantly, they can drive it, right? So they're driving people's habits based on discounts. And that's social engineering if you really want to instill it. Yes. They're getting you to act a certain way and to think a certain way to get a reward. I think Pavlov had the same <laughs> mechanism with the dogs, right? But it looks good on you know when you're getting a, something bright and shiny, but the, the actual you know, endpoint is still the same. I don't want anybody to control how I think or act. I don't want anybody to try to put me in a position where I'm going to be rewarded or not rewarded based on what they want me to do. And this is the system, if we let it go without any kind of controls on it, I think that's where we're going to be headed. That's amazing, Dr. George. You just described our political system in America now. You do what I tell you to do, and I'll give you a great reward. I'll give you all kinds of money for whatever project you need. That's exactly what our politicians Mm -hmm. do in America now. All of them. 
It's just I it's will like do things. It's like a template. For, it is. It's a template. Uh, what I'm going to do is use you to make money, but then you're going to benefit too because I'm going to give you the taxpayers' money. Hmm. Like so, we both get money out of exactly. the deal. I just get a lot more than you do. That's terrible. <laughs> and that's disgusting, and it's also terrifying. It really is. But so, what does one do about it? Carry a gun. <laughs> we but we we vote with our pocketbooks, right? So yeah. just because yeah. you get maybe a five or six percent discount doesn't mean you have to go and do it. And if you go to the competition and you use your power of the purse, they only understand money. So if they're not getting rewarded for it, they stop doing it. That's that's the answer. There it is. So yeah, that's exactly it. I want to hear about big medicine. It's a book that I wrote about a year and a half ago that Very cool. is from a doctor's perspective. I'm actually a physician who practices medicine. Every day I see patients. And over the past 20 years since I've been in practice, I've seen a change in the healthcare system, moving away from the doctor and patient towards a central corporate-driven conveyor belt mentality where you just described it perfectly, where they want to control what we do. And as physicians, they want us to see a patient seven minutes write a prescription, get the next one in, get them out. And that's not medicine. And unfortunately, right. patients are paying more and they're getting less. So the book was all about teaching patients, one, how we got to this point. Take the emotion out of it, just the facts. And then the second part was how do you work around the system? You don't have to buy an insurance policy in order to get covered with, for health care. And right. you can see a doctor and it can be a fraction of what you're paying and it was all about shortcuts and understanding and how to beat the system. For example, I don't carry an insurance policy. I joined a medical cost-sharing company called Liberty HealthShare. I'm spending $250 a month. I have a total out-of-pocket of $1,000 a year, and I'm covered up to a million dollars per incident per year. And I can go anywhere in the country, see any doctor I want, and even leave the country for medical tourism. That's the kind of things that people don't know about. If they do, then they can explore it and see if it works for them. Well, that's why. So, how 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 could they reach out to you to learn more about? It? People are going to be fascinated by that. I, one thing I, I want to ask you before we we do talk about that is, uh, I watch all these commercials on TV for these uh, politicians, and they all talk about health care. And this guy's going to shut down health care. And this guy's going to make health care cost a billion dollars and blah blah blah. When, are politicians right. ever going to dig deep and say, if we as American citizens didn't have to pay for all the research and development on pharmaceuticals in America, our uh, health care system wouldn't be that expensive? Right? You know, it's not all about the research and development, frankly. It's about the anti-kickback statutes and right. the well, pharmacy benefit management I mean. companies. <laughs> that's really what the – but they're not researching. They're just – Taking money. I know. I mean, but, literally, yeah. they've inserted themselves, and they're gouging both ends. It's disgusting what we... There and needs that, to be price transparency. Yeah, and it's somehow American people's fault that our health care system is so uh, is so costly. It is not our fault at all, but we love to sit there and be no. beaten up about it. I just... It disgusts me what these people do. It really does. I, you can go a step further. They blame the patient and the doctor. Yeah. But the oh, doctor yeah. only makes seven cents to the health care dollar. <laughs> We're not the cause of the cost. It's the actual system itself. And if people who want single-payer think that they're going to get a better deal, I got news for them. If you don't like it now, it's going to become the only game in town, and they're going to charge you more, and you'll have nowhere else to go. So it's not the answer. It's about the doctor and the patient, and we just need to be more savvy. And if you understand that it's cheaper to access health care with your you know, pay cash 
option is to use your insurance card and save your money, you'd be amazed that you can get out there. And it's here now. You don't have to wait for it to be built. You know, it's amazing, Dr. George. I just went to, to see a new doctor uh, about two weeks ago. And I wrote him a letter this morning. Well, it wasn't email. It wasn't a letter. It was an email. I wrote it this morning complimenting him on his clinic and the job he did, how friendly he was. Uh, he made me very, very comfortable. I wish, I wish more patients would do that, tell, tell doctors how, how great the experience was for them. Because sometimes you go to a doctor, it's not that great an experience, I'll tell you that. But when, <laughs> it, when it is, they should, you should tell the doctor, hey, this, this was great. I thank you so much. You know, uh, don't you think that the, a, doctor, a doctor-patient relationship is one of, the, one of the great relationships you can have in life? It, it seems so to me. Absolutely. It's the underpinning, yeah. the hallmark, yep. the foundation of quality health care. And the fact that that's under attack is tragic. I mean, I'm an independent doctor. There's only 30% of doctors who own their own practices who have not sold them to a hospital. 30%. We used to be 60%. We've dropped over the past three or four years. That's amazing. And in our place, the, you know, the fiduciary responsibility to the patient is very simple when you own your own practice you and the patient you cut deals you barter you sliding scale you do what you have to do to make sure the patient can afford your services by the way they're much cheaper and if you go and sell your practice to a hospital you don't have control of the charge master you have no idea what they're charging they're tacking on facility fees next thing you know you've lost your patient you have no idea why and it's a system that's broken and doubling down on the most expensive parts of healthcare is not the answer yes, just no. because you want to control everybody. It's always you're not paying your fair share. They love to use that you're not paying your fair share and people aren't getting good health care because of you, and it's a flat-out lie. Dr. George, I have to ask you a question. Do you, do you do a lot of interviews? I do. Yeah, because the reason I ask you that is because you, you do a very good interview, but at the beginning of the interview you're kind of like, God, I hope this guy's not an idiot. <laughs> I, could, I could hear that in your voice, Dr. George. <laughs> <laughs> she just laughs. Thank you, Doctor George. But no, I could see that you 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 would outsmart a lot of people in an interview, and you'd probably make them look bad. But you do a great interview. Seriously, I just at first I thought, oh, she doesn't, she's not comfortable with this at all. But no, it's a great interview because you tell the truth. I wish. Why don't you have a national national stage? Do you go on a lot of talk shows and talk about this? I do, and I actually have my own radio show called Medicine on Call, and I've been talking about it and writing about it in my blog, com, for, I don't know, five or six years now. And, you know, I don't want anything except to do is to take care of my patients right. and for everybody to get out of my office and let get out of our way and let us help the patient. That's all we want as physicians. And honestly, I started this because... It was a labor of love because I didn't want to end up on blood pressure medicine. And I wanted people to understand exactly from a doctor's point of view. Everybody talks about healthcare like they know. And right. They don't. It's the people who are sitting here on the front line getting dinged 24-7, trying to do the best we can for our patient. Where everybody tells us we want to take out tonsils, cut feet off, and just make money. That's not the case. And patients need to understand that. Dr. George, do you have the real tough conversations with your patients about truly what their part of the equation is? Because I think that's something that's lost also is the patient responsibility for self-care and 
not going to the, all right, I'm going to take this pill to fix this and then this pill to fix that. And Mm -hmm. then before you know it, you're on a, not a good path. Absolutely. I do. And I take the time to do that. So my practice is an ear, nose and throat practice. So I'm a surgeon. I, you know, do surgery, but I'm also a medical doctor as well. So we're talking about prevention, about how you not take a medication. I mean, the system is based on writing a prescription. That's how it runs. It's, it's a, we're the, the engine because we're providing the prescriptions. But we need to take our power back to as doctors and say, well, we're not going to do something and why. And evidence-based medicine, which I'm sure you've heard that tagline, that was created by the insurance, I'm sorry, by the pharmaceutical companies as an algorithm that drives us to write prescriptions. And if you don't, then they come after you. And it's, doctors are under duress. I mean, 400 doctors are committing suicide per year in our country and m- training medical students. This is not a happy profession because we're not allowed to do what we were put on the earth to do, which is to help people. We don't want to be agents for the government. We don't want to gather data. Do you have guns in your home? Have you ever tried to hurt yourself? Right. Do you think your, boy, your child's a boy or a girl? That's what they're making us do in order to close an electronic record chart. So it's not all sweetness and light being a physician at this point, but a growing number of us are, are, are opting out, are you know, taking our power back and going into an alternate system, which is really the old school of just give me my patient, let us talk, let us have a relationship, cut the middleman out and have health care, real health care, not just uh, this corporate-driven system. It is wonderful. Assuming I'm not a, a dope, I, do, I would like to have you back. That would be wonderful. You're not a dope, and I would love to come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Dr. George. Seriously, I'm so happy there are people like you because American citizens are told on a daily basis how horrible they are, and they don't share, and they don't do their fair share, mm-hmm. and it's all a lie. All of it's a lie. Dr. George, come back soon. Thank it's you. It's all over. about control. Yep, it is. I sure will. Thank you for having me. That's our pleasure. Thank you. Dr. Elena George, the book is called Big Medicine. It's been out for about a year and a half. Life insurance company will add fitness tracking data to all policies next year. That's amazing. Mm. That's pretty weird. All right, you got to go pick up kids. I do. Thank you for having me. It's phenomenal to see you. Yes. As always, you got to come back when Catherine's here. Please, anytime. Kathy, thank you very much. Thank you. Everything is good. And again, would you give those web addresses and and the physical address of uh, a week from tonight? Yeah. The flannel fling. Flannel of fling. I'm blanking, so Max can pull it up it. on his yeah. I can do it. I got it. So the machine shop is in Northeast. Machine yep, shop is 2nd Street yeah. Southeast. So that's right on the corner of 2nd and 3rd, right up the street from St. Anthony, Maine. Yep. So come, come on by next Thursday night, 6 o'clock. Uh, get on rebuildingtogether.com or... No, 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 no. Rebuildingtogether-twincities.org. Thank you. Somebody already... Bidpelt.net slash flannel fling 2018. Correct. To bid on items and get more information as well. The silent auction goes live this afternoon. Woohoo. You know, every time, by the time somebody tells me, it's like, why would you tell a guy that talks for a living that this is going to be a silent auction? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back, Tom Bernard. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> It's Tom here to tell you how easy it was for me to hit my goal of a 92.5-pound weight loss at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan. I started in March, and in just over five months, I learned about clean eating, and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods, very important. 
I'm now in the reset phase and then on to the Nutrimost Forever Maintenance Program, which I'll be talking about more in the weeks to come. Find out how to have success losing weight like I did. Attend the Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth free informational dinner on Monday, October 15th, 6.30 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those extra pounds melt away really fast with this easy program. Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutrimost helped me change my life, and they can help you too. Register for the Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on October 15th. Just call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. They were plugging a bunch of Tom Petty stuff. Uh, did he die a year ago now? Is that what oh, it is? Oh, let me look. I I know it's... Something must be going on because the station's doing a bunch of stuff, too. Let me look. Tom, Tom Petty. I, I can't remember when he died. It hasn't been very long. I know that. No. Um, Let's see. Oh, he died October 2nd, 2017. Uh, yeah, so there you go. That's why it's so much talk, uh, Tom Petty talk wow, right now. Wow, a year has already passed. I know, isn't that unbelievable? It seems it's been like a he year just like, died like six months ago. Or a month ago. Yeah, it, it's weird. Um, yeah, I remember when he died. Well, there was like so much confusion with the on like Twitter and all that stuff because everyone's like, he died. No, he's in a coma. Right, right. And even like, I think it was like CBS or one of those networks, like, put out that he had died and he hadn't yet Uh, i do remember that yeah Yeah. so i know there was a lot of confusion but he went into i think it was like cardiac arrest or something you gotta start i know i don't even know how many minutes we are in now do you have any idea how many minutes oh maybe a 45 seconds it's at least three four minutes oh no no no. Ah, yeah you guys are a disaster i think you have a faster clock in your head (laughs) i think i have an accurate clock i was gonna say although if i were to have to you know put time in somebody's hands that maybe probably has a pretty good feel for it would probably be you <laughs> yeah, we're just running over Cassie's gonna... Oh, we're, we're, gonna put, we're gonna fine her it's gonna be great it's gonna be wonderful you're fine uh, you're fine that's true you gotta edit it I know, all I got, well yeah i do have to do i'm doing bumpers and then i'm doing commercials so i'm just trying to get a flow here and I then understand. i forget about that remote 
Yeah, you mean the most important part? Yeah, I know, you right? That? You mean the time of the show? You mean that part <laughs> of it? You know what I mean? Oh, see, this is, I just, uh, what are we doing in our world, ladies and gentlemen? Mom furious after school hands out survey about sexual history to her daughter's fifth grade class. Sexual history? Really? I, I might be furious about that. Yeah, I, okay, here we go. <laughs> now, this is for fifth grade students. So in fifth grade, you're what, 11? Yeah, 10, 11, depending 10 11. on when you started, yeah. Yeah, probably 10. Probably mm-hmm. most of 10, right? Here's some questions for you. Uh, are you only attracted to females? Mostly attracted to females. Equally attracted to females, mostly attracted to males, only attracted to males, or not sure? Do you understand what the word attracted means when you're that yeah. age? Right, let's yeah. start at the uh, basics. When I was wow. that age, I was in... Uh, seventh grade when I was 11. But I had no idea what that... I was 11. I attracted to male... They were friends of mine. Right. That's what I'm saying. Look, I I do talk about the fact that I've always thought women are pretty. Yeah, so I suppose that is a sexual attraction. But I was 5, 7, 9, and 11. I suppose by the time you're 11, there's some stuff bubbling under, but that's about it. But I just so what are they going to learn from this this uh, questionnaire? What are they trying who, to learn? Who put the quest? I mean, it was a school. The school. Okay, I'll, yeah, the- I'll read it for you. I'll, 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 yeah, Vermont. A mother in Vermont was infuriated when her daughter's teachers handed out an intimate survey about students' sexual history. Vanessa Beach's ten-year-old daughter Zoe was in class last week when her guidance counselors handed out a questionnaire. The questions included intimate ones about students' sexual orientation whether they'd been in a relationship, and whether they'd had a sexual partner. They're 10! Oh, you'd be surprised. Uh, well, I suppose, but you don't ask kids that. Do- I if, know. If anybody would have said, have you ever had a sexual partner when I was 10, I would have gone, what the hell are you talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would not have known. I'm pretty sure we're taking away our children's youth. We really are. It's just sad. The whole thing is is really sad that they do. Leave the kids alone. Leave them out of it, could you? Matter of fact, even the young white boys, leave them out of it because they're not white men you can hate yet. Just wait for it. They'll get there. Uh, leave the children alone, would you please? Look, if a kid comes to you and says, you know, I don't, I don't, I just want to talk to somebody about the fact that I'm more attracted to girls than I am to boys. Well, do you mean to play? No, in another way. Then, yeah, if, if, if the student wants to discuss it, then that it behooves you to help them out. But to go out and, and start talking about all this. First of all, I would, I don't know. I didn't know who I was sexually attracted to until I was like 12 or 13. Thir- yeah, 13 I can't. Maybe. I'm trying to think at, at 10 years old, I probably, my feet were too big for my body and I was tripping over myself and trying yeah. to not look geeky in a school uniform. I, I mean, seriously, I don't really. Ten. Actually, I was thinking. Fifth grade. I was twelve years old in seventh grade, and I do remember noticing that one of the girls had a, a bigger front of her shirt than the others. I did notice that, and I was like, "Say." Okay, well, seventh grade. I'm pretty sure I was the tallest boy or girl, except for yeah, one in Saint Odilia, and I remember we were at school. There was some sort of a Friday night party oh, yeah. dancer. Yeah. It wasn't even a dance. It was like a a night up at up at school and somebody there was a group playing spin the bottle uh-huh. pretty sure the bottle landed on me and i won't i'm not gonna because i've seen him since and we laugh about it landed on somebody else and he refused to kiss me 
Oh, you did? Which crushed me, of you course. Because you were too tall. I was tall and gang- gangly and not, you know. I mean, I was not one of the cute little girls that could sit in her chair and, and you know, put their feet back and forth without touching the floor. I had to sit on the desk in order right, to do in that. in order to do that, yeah. But that's what I remember about seventh grade. That and watching the towers in Shoreview, the television towers, oh, when they collapsed, fell. yeah. Yeah. A guy named Barnard was on top of them when they fell. Really? Not, yeah, I think his name was George Barnard. But I was not related to him. Look, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not an educator. I don't know how to run a school. I don't know the rest of it. I just, how did we ever get by not having to answer questionnaires like this? How did we ever survive not having to answer a questionnaire like this? I, I just, leave me alone. I, we have a new dog at home. I'm going to go pet my dog. <laughs> you know, that's it. Uh, whatever. Do you have a new dog? No. I was just talking about if I were Zoe. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I just, I want to be a kid. Leave me alone. I don't want to be involved in your politics or any of the rest of it. I am not developing hatred toward anybody of any orientation. Leave me alone. That's fair, isn't it? Yeah, that's very fair. I'll be honest with you. When, when we used to hear about, about homosexuals back then, because that was the nicest term they ever called, you know, people of... Because gay wasn't, well, gay started when, I guess I was probably a teenager or something like that, the word gay being used for, for uh, heter- or homosexual men. When did that start? Cassie's looking it up right now. When did? Calling homosexual men gay. Okay. Or women. Or, well, yeah. Well, women aren't, really aren't called gay much. They're always called Lesbian? Lesbian, I guess. No, I think they're called gay. Are they now? Mm -hmm. You know, that's fine. Like I said, as long as it makes you happy, I'm good. I think we should just call them people. Not a bad plan. See what what's your color? What's your religion? <laughs> yeah, what's really? your orientation? What's your, just how about if I'm a person? That'd be good. I've told you this many times. I get along with women much better than I get along with men. There are a lot of men that are really good friends of mine, and I really like them a lot. But there are a lot of men who put on this false bravado and try to act all masculine. You guys are the biggest pain in the ass of any human beings on earth. You just are. It's like if you have to put it on, then you're not. So shut up. Well, they kind of started using the term gay as a sexual word in the 14th century. Gay, you mean, but was it for homosexuals or was it all people feeling gay? Well, it was it was a term they used using sexual behavior. Oh, really? um, like if they were going to a brothel, um, prostitutes, stuff like that. But then it's kind of, then it says they use... The use of gay to mean homosexuality was often an extension of its application to prostitution. A gay boy was a young man or a boy serving male clients. So a gay boy is where it started. Yeah, and yeah in that, the 14th that century. Yeah. That would make sense. It's yeah. that old, though. I didn't know that. Yeah. But I, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't see the reason we have to ask 10-year-olds what their orientation is. But some people say they've known they, they, they were gay when they were four years old. I do remember, again, being attracted to Blondie from the Dagwood and Blondie cartoons. I thought she was pretty. But it wasn't a sexual thing. Well, I may, if, you're, if you count that as sexual, what I find pretty, because at four, it wasn't sexual. It's just, oh, she's pretty. But why would you go to school and talk about that? I wouldn't. I, no, it's just we had other stuff to talk about. Uh, I don't know. Can we just dial it back? Once again, what we're trying to force now 
is this rapid development of human beings, which is never going to happen. It's just it's, that's not the way things work. Uh, we just had a great guest on, it was a couple of days ago, Bernie mm-hmm. Taylor. He talked about the fact that in the last 40,000 years, we haven't developed much. But now all of a sudden, we've, we're going to change everything about the way we live in one generation. That's mental illness is what that is. And you need to calm down. No matter which way you want to go in, you know, mm-hmm. right or left, it doesn't matter. Calm down. Relax. Put the brakes on. And here's the problem that you have. I know why you're doing it, but you're not going to live forever. So shut up. I mean, people are starting to think they're going to live forever, you know, they, mm-hmm. because, you, you know, putting your essence in a robot or whatever it is. People are beginning now to think, well, I'm going to live forever. Or they want to make their mark. Or they want to make a mark is a big deal. That's always been a big deal is making your mark, yes, has always been a very big deal to people. Well, I make my mark. I'm pretty sure there's never going to be a Tom Bernard drive in the state of Minnesota. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's never going to happen. Not happening. There will be no Floyd. What I love is the the one I knew about first when I was a kid was Floyd B. Olson on, on Olson Highway, a mm-hmm. card-carrying communist. That's yeah. the, the first statue I ever saw of a politician. I have a feeling, though, if they named a street after you, that street sign will be stolen in about five hours. Once oh, it's up. yeah. <laughs> and they, they just put up a-hole instead. <laughs> That'd be good. That'll work for me. You've made your mark in other ways. Yeah, I'm not worried about any marks. What I'm worried about is if I ever have to get a real job. I am worried about You're that. in the Smithsonian, Tom. Yeah, that's true. The doesn't, that, doesn't it mean you're, like, ancient? No. Not. No, it's true. Unless they put you next yeah, to, like, the thing. mummies and stuff, if they put the audio there. <laughs> oh, you can't outrun a mummy. I still love that more than... No, I, that stuff... I, you know, I don't think about that a whole lot, but that is... That's kind of cool. Yeah, it I is. I suppose you do. Oh, my that gosh. Way Absolutely forever. it is. Yeah. It's a big mark in history that day, and it's in the Smithsonian. Yeah, it's very nice of them to have done that. If think... no, Yeah, if nobody knows what we're talking about, um, 9-11, when uh, the towers were hit for the fir- with the first plane, uh, the KQ Morning Show was the first one to say it's probably terrorism. Right. And uh, yeah. that audio is in the smithsonian i'm assuming that you can just press a button yeah i think there's a video too there's a bit a video called uh tapes from the heartland oh really it's an hour documentary Mm -hmm. and they play it on television it was on again in september but the the movie starts with me talking about the planes crashing into the Mm -hmm. and the kq morning show comes in and out of the, the the documentary the whole hour it's it was something else and we didn't know the people they just found the tape and these are the first people that, that talked about it. That's cool. That is cool. Was it again 7.16? Is that what time it was? 7.16 I can't remember. I heard it live because I was actually getting ready to fly that day oh, to North Carolina. No, not, well, I was on that. my way to the airport, <laughs> well, to pick up my mom because we were flying to North Carolina that day. And yeah. I heard you live on the radio when it was first announced. And then that's when I I was like, what's going on? And I ran in, once I got to my grandmother's house to grab my mom, I ran inside. And that's when I saw the second plane yeah, hit. right. And, it, yeah, it was bizarre. But, yeah, I remember that morning and what you guys were talking about. That's terrible. Yeah. And, I, and you look at it these days, and many, many, many Americans act like it never even happened. I know. That's disgusting. It's, it's kind of sad if you think about it. it. Really remember how sad. everyone came together yeah, it was for, great. A good for about couple, a year. 
Yeah, for about a year. But I mean, I like, really, <laughs> people were putting up American flags everywhere. Yeah, and they it was were, like yep. for about yeah. a month. Yeah. And then it just kind of seemed diminished. And now it's like it's a forgotten thing. Hollywood and television did that. Mm-hmm. They did. Absolutely, they did. Yeah. This whole deal with the, the first man, mm-hmm. the fact that they, they didn't show him planting the United States flag on the moon, mm-hmm. because this was They not didn't a, show that in the movie? No. No, they said... Uh, How can you miss that part? That was like the... <laughs> that was the whole reason they were there, pretty much. But uh, they said, no, this is, this is not an American achievement. It was a human achievement. Well, why don't you get the rest of the humans on Earth to pay for it then, like we did? Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. We paid the bill, but somehow the whole world gets... It was beating the Russians to the moon. That's, it was a race between America Absolutely. and the Russians. So, yes, it is about America. I, these people denying our history and denying this ever happened, that ever there's a lot of people do that with the Holocaust, man, and it makes me want to vomit. No. Seriously. Have you ever been, you know, there's little things within the state. Have you ever been up to the Camp Ripley Museum? Yes. There is a series of, um, I don't know if they're videotapes, but there's also written of personal stories of being in World War II. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. That you read through those, and it's, and those are, you talk about stories from the heartland, those are touching. Oh yeah, they are. Yeah, they are absolutely. It's amazing, and if you ha- if you haven't had a chance to go up there, and Cassie, if you haven't had a chance, or anyone listening hasn't had a chance to go up there, go up there. It's two yeah. hours from here. It's a free museum. They go anywhere from this. They go from the Civil War all the way through. Mm-hmm. The artifacts are phenomenal. They're things you don't even know about the state, and it's it's such a great historical presence right in our own backyard. Yeah, isn't isn't Camp Ripley? Isn't that what is what town is that in? Little Falls, Little past Falls, Little yeah. Falls. Okay. It's in Fort Ripley, which is about twelve minutes past Little Falls. Yeah. Okay. On three seventy one between Little Falls and Brainerd. Okay, that's okay. Great, that's I couldn't great. remember where exactly. I've been through there. I just mm-hmm. haven't stopped. You can hear it before you get there. Oh yeah, <laughs> you can hear it from our cabin. Actually, oh, yeah. you hear it from the cabin, and and <laughs> but they and they have uh, an environmental center up there that is unbelievable. I mean, it's a large place. They're doing good things up there. I mean, it's kind of quietly not talked about. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. Look at that. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call our fleet reps right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. 
And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. This band is a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, newser, you can take the picture down. I just it's back right there on the front page. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Tom's a pimp. That's all we know. That's all we have to say. Um, no. There was a news story that uh, was sent to me. This is uh, bizarre. I who knew this was going on? But Baltimore puts 230 desk officers on the streets yeah. as murders mount. Yep. I guess crime in Baltimore is just skyrocketing. Crime in America is outlandishly. I put, I put the news story in the calendar if you okay. want to read it. Excellent. Um, I, I was just raving on, uh, or railing, I should say, on, on Minneapolis yesterday. Mm-hmm. I am sick to death of not being able to go down Hennepin Avenue anymore. It makes me want to puke. I was out. I was there from the time I was a little boy. I would walk there from my neighborhood when I was 10, 12, 14 years old. I, I always thought, man, if I grow up and I make a lot of money or some money or whatever, I'm going to spend all my time on Hennepin Avenue. Well, I can't do that. It's not safe. And the reason it's not safe is because you won't punish criminals. Why? Because they vote for you, apparently. You're disgusting human beings. Mm-hmm. You really are. Destroying the city of Minneapolis. You are destroying that's our city. And I adore Minneapolis. I love St. Paul, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm rarely uncomfortable downtown. Right. You know, and right. we're kind of in the bubble of our north loop where we live. Yeah, but that's a good area. It's that's a good a nice area, area, and it's yeah, it it's is. been very nice. But Dana and I went to a Lynx game this summer and walked Target Center. at Target Center and, and walked there. And walking there was fine. Light of day, you know. Oh, yeah, that's different. Walking home. Yep. I have never felt more uncomfortable in this city. I know. It's terrible. And he did, done. too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I I just I can't believe they did this to our city. Drug dealers aren't being arrested. Uh, people who commit crimes. Uh, that We're putting signs in cop cars. Now at least the mayor wants to. That, that's, that, that tells uh, illegal immigrants to not talk to the cops. What are we doing? I mean, seriously, can we keep our, our, our citizens safe? I'm not saying we can't welcome other people in the state. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I don't want any creeps hanging around. Uh, I don't want creeps that are born here hanging around. So what does that tell you? I just, what? And I know why you're doing it. You're doing it because they will vote for you. And then you'll have a job forever, and you'll make millions of dollars, and the rest of us will be dead. But it's incredibly short-sighted. It is. I mean, how it's many amazing. businesses are downtown that are yeah. going to leave and go elsewhere? Yeah. How many? We're not True. far away from it turning completely. Uh huh. No, no, it's not far at all. We are not far away from it at all because we've decided. Oh, look! There's sensitivity in skin color. Let's use that as much as we can. It's like you disgusting pigs. Uh, and I know I, I say it quite often, but I'm going to say it again. I grew up with people of all races except for Asian. There were no Asians in North Minneapolis. But everybody else, we didn't spend one minute thinking about skin color or country of origin or any of the rest of it. There was one of our kids, his name was Dale, and I remember his last name, but I won't say it. But he moved to North Minneapolis from Germany. 
And we thought it was the greatest thing because he had this really thick German accent. And when he got mad, it was phenomenal. <laughs> he would say things like, what the hell is he saying now? It was great. Uh, you know, so our differences were what brought us together. We, we enjoyed it. When Dale would get pissed off, we all loved it <laughs> because it was just watching him. He would literally, in a way, not intentionally, but kind of look a little Hitler-y when he got mad. Oh, my God. Well, you know, he's like, he would do that. And we're in like third well, grade. Well, from your perspective at that point, <laughs> yes. Wonderful. I mean, the only thing you knew about Germany, other than your friend being there, was all you had heard about Hitler and right. how terrible that was. So. God, it was just wonderful. I mean, this was an era, too, ladies and gentlemen, where we, uh, I don't know how often we did it, once a week at least, had to get under our desks, uh, on, you know, like these bomb, whatever they were. They, air raid. The air raids, yeah, exactly. So we had to do that every week and all the rest of it. We weren't afraid. We were like, yeah, whatever. Did you have the Pagan Baby Fund at your Catholic school? What's the Pagan Baby Fund? Pagan Baby oh, Fund. Pagan, oh, yeah, Pagan Baby. We absolutely You had did. to put your pennies yeah. in, the Pagan, oh, yeah, pagan Baby, babies, the little... Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. The Pagans. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, they're not Catholic, they're Pagans. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to They hadn't been baptized. They, they were like baptized. floating around somewhere. Oh, not, that's right. Right? What do they call those again? They call it, uh, they call it Limbo. Yeah. Where they go to limbo. The pagans go the to limbo. pagan babies went to limbo. So it's, Between it, that and, and eat your food, there are starving children in Biafra. In Africa, China, China They were wherever. all starving. They were we all were, starving, I mean, yeah. the guilt trips we had as children, it's amazing. I know. <laughs> we grew I, up. <laughs> my grandma backhanded me at the dinner table one night because... Was she, she bigger than you? Oh, yeah. Uh oh, that was trouble. She was like the well, quintessential who isn't grandma. Than well, that's I know true. there's a lot of people. There's a long line. <laughs> the long line. <laughs> um, no, I remember one time. I just I I can't remember what the dish was that we were eating for dinner. But I'm like, I got really full fast, and I'm like, I'm not hungry anymore. And she got so mad. She's like, There's starving kids in Africa. And I said, Well, then invite them over. <laughs> and no, she was just invi- I, but, but no, you little invite them over. What's wrong? Yeah, with that? or send it to them. What do you? <laughs> I think I, yeah, I remember that. Send it to them. St. Joseph's, Father Perman was the, the, the head priest's name. And every Friday, Tasty Bread Company, that's the local one. Tasty's mm-hmm. the local company, right? Mm-hmm. They would bring loaf after loaf after loaf of bread, and the father would hand them out to needy children. That was all the way back when I was a little kid. There were the pagan baby funds. There were the mic boxes. We grew up with the idea that we needed to help people. Yes. Mm-hmm. What happened to that? Where did that go? I don't know. What were the, 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 the neighbors that would put on the little carnivals for Italians. muscular dystrophy? <laughs> <laughs> the I love doing that. Wasn't so it muscular much. dystrophy? Yeah, it was. Yep. Right? Yep. And you would have little sheets, and you'd get all your friends in the neighborhood to sign up for Yeah. It was, mm-hmm. but seriously, looking back, and and we need to concentrate more on that because I haven't thought much about that. But we were raised from the time we were little at church, or you know, the, we went to Catholic church, and then in schools, we it was all about helping people. Yeah. Every day we talked about we need to help this group or that group. We need to raise money. We as kids would go door to door collecting pennies, as you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Joe Greenstein, our alderman up there, a nice Jewish man who owned the biggest little store in the world on Plymouth Avenue and 4th Street. He would give a pumpkin to every kid. didn't matter if they were Jewish, they were Catholic, they were whatever they were. Everybody got a pumpkin. It was all about giving and helping people. Well, I think, it was wonderful. I remember when Hurricane Katrina happened, and I was sitting there watching the footage on the news. 
I felt so bad for those people. Yeah. I was Oh yeah. I started crying. I'm like, I have to do something. So I called up my dad who worked for a bus company. I said, Can you get a bus for the weekend? Because it was Labor Day weekend. Right. He's like, Yeah, why? I said, um, just bring it to my house and I'll tell you what's going on. So then I called my lo- the local grocery store mm-hmm. in Apple Valley. And I asked them, is it okay if we park the bus there and collect donations? And they're like, oh, yeah, sure. Not a problem. That's great. And uh, we stood there with a sign outside of my mom. With, my mom was so cute. She's like, I'll hold the sign. And she was getting people to – people were giving us money, cash money. And then they were um, going into the grocery store, buying groceries, coming out, handing us the whole cart, and then going back in and doing the regular shopping. We filled that bus three times. That's great. And then we brought it over to Fox 9, and they had semi-trucks. They were having, like, a convoy of semi-trucks taking stuff down to New Orleans. And we were writing – I had a black Sharpie marker. We were writing messages on, like, packs of diapers and all that stuff. Say, much love from Minnesota. We're thinking about you and all this stuff. And I don't know. I was just very compelled. So, I I mean, I wish people had that more. Because, I mean, something so small on my – it probably had a huge impact. In New Orleans. No doubt about that. So it's yeah, like, it did, you know, sometimes you don't think you can, do, you don't have to do something huge. No, I agree. You know, yeah, just absolutely. the smallest thing. I mean, just the smallest thing helping one person might make their whole week. So I wish, I wish more no people had it. that initiative to do stuff like that. My favorite story about that is though, when, when the, the bricks market building burned down in North Minneapolis a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. that, uh, that place gave my mother credit when she didn't have money to buy groceries, the bricks brothers, mm-hmm. right? the people who ran the place. Um, I don't even actually know their real name, but it, we just, it was Br- the bricks brothers. We called them whether their name was bricks or not, didn't matter. Mm-hmm. But they would give my mother credit, and we would eat, and that would be wonderful. So the building burns later in later years. I called the mayor and said I would like to get involved and rebuild, help to rebuild the supermarket, and I'll get a bunch of people together. I'll get all the construction work. I'll I'll take care of everything. Don't worry about it. I'll do all the work. Uh, the mayor never even bothered to call me back mm-hmm. because there was nothing in in it for them politically. Well, and it's just hideous. If what they, they were the one, it's like it's almost like they want to take the credit for oh, it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So Which is fine. They don't, take yeah. credit. I don't care. Well, do so that. that's why they want to be responsible for Ugh, fixing it or God. whatever. I know it's so sad. But the connection there is, if you go back to this when we did this kind of stuff as kids, yeah, there was no, there was nothing in it for you personally no, no, there as wasn't. You're as right. a. It, it was good. just, it felt good. It and you're, yep. you were being taught how to do this by your parents. You didn't even realize you were being taught how to do this right. by the people in your community and your parents and the church and, and all of those people who helped raise us. That's where our giving nature came from. And unfortunately now it comes with who gets credit. Yeah. Not always. Yeah. I mean, we not, just, not we just talked yeah. to rebuilding together twin cities and I'm telling you, right. The executive director could go out and get a job in any sphere and probably make twice what she does. Right. She's got a passion for this. She's Matt's great. volunteering his time for this always, and his wife is very involved as well. So there's those things that people get involved in truly because their heart's in it and right. not because they want to be no, they want to be noted for it. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of things going on now that are starting and that people just want the notoriety for it as oh, yeah, opposed absolutely. to they want to be famous that's very true 
Yeah. That's disturbing. Yeah, it's I too mean, bad. When I did that whole, um, you know, getting donations and all that, I didn't want like a pat on the back or anything. Oh, I, you know, the help. only thing I, because I, I was like, we, I wanted to make sure we got on the news because we weren't affiliated with a church or anything. Oh, yeah. So I yeah. wanted to make sure people knew that the donations were, we're going. actually going. Yeah. So I'm like, because I, I called them, they even put on, because uh, the news channels were putting on where you can make donations and they got us on there. And there was a church actually in the same parking lot as we, and our bus was so loaded it was like riding the the shock spring. I mean everything yeah. was so bogged down. We had to start giving them stuff, and we had no problem doing it. Take it, take the water. That's the heavy stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, we filled that bus three times from floor to ceiling. Can we get back that's there? Awesome. Do you think? Can we get back to giving? I hope so. Like that. Yeah, I just think we have to open our eyes. I mean, I think we yeah. as I think we as um, the older we get, we tend to become a little bit more insular, mm-hmm. and yeah, so true. I I think we need to be open to the fact that and and I think we need to be open to the fact that you know we give our millennials a real hard time, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of good going on. They have a whole different way right. about going about things mm-hmm. that are pretty fantastic mm-hmm. and. So it's learning from, you know, realizing that we don't know it all and we're going to learn from all sorts of other directions. Right. And it's keeping the dialogue open. Well, I think, I think you true. do you do that by having your podcast. I do it on the morning show, hopefully. You do too. it on the morning show. You're just, bringing new things to light. You're you're opening up to a whole I mean, that's the beauty of it. I just am sick to death of everybody hating everybody. I'm so happy I don't go on social media. I can't even tell you. Yeah. I'm very happy I died. But well, energetically, it's not giving that any energy to fuel right. it. Right. No, I understand. But I, I can't go on Twitter or Facebook and watch people attack my family for no reason. That I cannot mm-hmm. deal with. Because I know the people that are behind it and all the rest of it. It's just, sorry I couldn't have helped you a lot more than I did already. But, you know. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand. Attacking people's families is way out of line. Yeah. Absolutely. Way out of line. Unless they're like, you know. Dirt bags. Then you can do it if you want. But well, we can give no. the listeners a homework assignment and just do a something. Homework assignment. Just do okay, something nice for someone today. That's, That's all you got to do. That'll just do good. something nice, and you'll be surprised on how good you feel doing it. 100% true. It yeah. does make you feel a lot better, and that's all there is to it. Um, no, I like the whole thing. Just seeing Matt, uh, you know, Kathy Griner was in today as well. And Catherine wanted to just say hello to Matt. She she loves the guy. Well, he's the nicest guy in the world. He is. Mm-hmm. You know, what you situation. what you see is what you get. He's just a yeah, true. He's, he's straight ahead. Yeah, nice I've always guy. enjoyed the guy, and it just. But I think it's good to sit down and talk. It, it's not about you know the MMA, and it's I understand that's all entertaining and all the rest of it. But I I really would like people to like to be much more creative in the ways that we try to develop as a society rather than shoving everything down someone else's throat that'd be nice mm-hmm. i think in the long run it's the only thing that's going to work anyway so we shall see in any case thank you for listening thanks to matt thanks kathy thanks to uh dr elena yep elena george she did not want to be on the show man i could it was hilarious yeah. it turned yeah. though it totally she turned. was great no she was a great interview it totally turned she's a very bright woman very very smart we will talk to you later tom bernard show